The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Van the Boogie Wooker Man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Champions and Sandow looks to take advantage. Take advantage if he can get Kane here, and he does. Kane was trying to power through Damian Sandow, able to pull off the maneuver and pick up the victory. And Brian's smiling about here it. Here is your winner, Damian Sandow. And even with Daniel Bryan sort of causing the interference, that's a huge upset for Damian Sandow defeating Kane here. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling and you are listening to episode number 378 of the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire if you didn't know by now my name is chad and as always i'm joined by my tag team partner here on the two-man power trip the one and only jp john paz and john to join us in this interview today with the intellectual savior of the unwashed masses the former Damian Sandow, Aaron Stevens, joins the two-man power trip. And what a giant way to kick off 2019. First, of course, with Big Sid Vicious on our four-year anniversary. And what a way to keep the ball rolling as we get Damian Sandow, Aaron Stevens on the show this week. And Aaron Stevens, since leaving the WWE, has kept himself very, very busy. He's a podcast host. He's also wrestled, and he's done a lot of cool things out there in the entertainment industry since leaving WWE a few years ago in what was talked about to be quite possibly the biggest misfire by WWE in letting Aaron Stevens go because if you could give this guy a cup of coffee and say, get over with this cup of coffee, he would make it happen because everything he did ended up being entertaining. It ended up getting over and it ended up being an absolute asset to whatever show he was going to be on, whether it was Monday Night Raw or whether it was SmackDown. But we cannot forget that he's also now a podcast host on the Barn Burner Network, hosting on the mat. So good to see Damian Sandow in the podcasting world as well. Obviously, a lot to say about it, and people are going to listen. But it's his whole entire story that we get to hear on this episode today, talking about the days in OVW, talking about the days training up there 
in Chaotic. We've talked about Chaotic many a times on this show, dating back to our first episodes where we talked to Brian Fury, who was the man behind the Chaotic School for such a long time and uh, seeing a lot of the guys from the Chaotic days passing through there who've gone on to do a lot of great things inside of the wrestling business but i gotta say somebody like a damian sandow i mean how can you knock what he's done especially that that run that he had as mizdow i mean come on that that is just absolutely unbelievably funny uh it got over in such a way that I think it took not only the WWE by surprise, but I think it took The Miz by surprise because he did The Miz better than The Miz did The Miz. So that obviously something that you don't want to do on the WWE's watch because uh, you can't get over on your own account. You got to get over at the time they tell you to get over. And that's something that he just did not do in the entire time he was there. He was an absolutely revered character by the fan base. But I call him the intellectual savior of the unwashed masses because when you think of him, you think of that beard, you think of the towel, you think of the robe, you think of the theme music, you think of the whole entire look of Sandow and how he was just a, uh, a standout heel at a time where everybody was just trying to be a cool heel and trying to get over with something, whether it was a catchphrase or not. He was just your classic, stereotypical, old-school heel with the pink tights or the purple tights, uh, looking like the Macho King and Lanny Poffo together, which is ironic that he would end up becoming the Macho Mandow a little bit later on in his WWE tenure. But he's got so much to give, he's got so much to say, and we're just so thrilled to kick off 2019 in a big way with Aaron Stevens on this show. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for what we've got to bring forward to you in the next couple of weeks, as well as please head on over to brownpapertickets.com and get all the information on both of our events that are coming in April and in May. First, April 7th, the markout at the Meadowlands Convention at the Meadowlands Hotel for a huge football meets wrestling theme featuring good old JR Jim Ross, Stan Hansen, Tully Blanchard, The Natural Butch Reed, Denny Spivey, Scott Putsky, and so many more guests. We've got vendor guests coming like Brutus the Barber Beefcake, the FBI, uh, WWE's version of the FBI featuring Johnny Stamboli, Nunzio, and the great Chuck Palumbo, as well as some other great former guests of our show like the Tonga Kid will also be in attendance, and that's all going down at Markout at the Meadowlands. You can also visit matmcon.com for more information on that, but if you live in the Richmond, Virginia area, you can join us for TMPT Con 3, the celebration of the 30th anniversary of the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette coming together. So far signed to be there will be Jim Cornette, Dennis Condry, Sweet Stan Lane, beautiful Bobby Eaton, and just announced this past week, Rock and Roll Express, the WWE Hall of Famers, and the greatest opponents for the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette, all coming down to Richmond, Virginia on May 18th. You can head on over to our website, tmptofwrestling.com, for the links, but also just head on over to brownpapertickets.com. Search TMPTCon3. You'll get all the information there that we've got up on Brown Paper Tickets. And, of course, with that as well, more to come. So stay tuned to the two-man power trip. A lot of big things coming, and we want you to join us every single step of the way. So that's enough out of me. Let's get it on over to John as we hit you with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to the one and only Damian Sandow. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. 
And now, without any further ado, a former WWE World Tag Team Champion, a two-time OVW World Heavyweight Champion, as well as an FCW World Tag Team Champion. You may remember him as the intellectual savior of the unwashed masses, Damian Sandow. He is the one and only Aaron Stevens. Please enjoy. on the line is a former FCW World Tag Team Champion as well as a former two-time OVW World Champion and let's not forget a former WWE World Tag Team Champion. You may know him as Aaron Stevens, but we know him as the famous Damian Sandow. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hello, how are you? Now, you know, you are such a synonymous character in WWE, and, and I have just such fond, great memories of your run there, but kind of what have you been up to lately, and what have you been doing, you know, since your departure from the WWE? When you say, um, you know, synonymous character, which character? You know, I, I kind of had the uh, the whole spectrum there, from uh, intellectual savior to um, ridiculous stunt double, but it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because that actually serves me well. Um, because since leaving, um, you know, not just WWE, but pro wrestling in general, um, you know, I had kind of migrated out West and, um, am, you know, in the, uh, the acting field now, so to speak. And, um, what I did is I took almost a year where I wanted to prepare myself, um, before I started taking projects because with me, it was very much like wrestling where, you don't have a match unless you're ready to do so. And, you know, a lot of people like to jump headfirst and do things, but I wanted to just be confident enough in my abilities um, because this was a new world. Like, this was something I just kind of um, walked away from everything and, you know, cut my hair, shaved my beard, um, you know, new name, um, and just, or, or, you know, uh, relinquish my old name because <laughs> I, I don't own it, but that's, that's fine with me. Uh, or, or all of my old names, rather. But um, I was at a point where I was comfortable enough with myself to kind of go on screen and be able to hold my own with anybody. And um, and that's when I said, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna start doing this. And then, you know, recently we've had, uh, you know, a couple projects come. And, um, you know, they're, they're starting to kind of uh, build now more and more. 2019 is looking fairly busy for me. So that's um, that's a good thing. So... That is great, and I love that you're kind of parlaying the wrestling world into an acting gig, and I feel like that's a very natural progression. Do you, have you found that because of wrestling it's kind of prepared you for the acting world? Um, you know what, yes, um, and, and I find that in general, you know, just, just in terms of, you know, being uh, live performers, because when I, when I first started studying acting, um, I didn't, you know, hop into um, acting class 101, uh, I actually started with uh, Shakespearean acting because that's kind of the root of all theater. and uh, or Not the root of all theater, but it, it's definitely a form of live theater, and, and I think that Shakespeare you know, perfected the art of, um, of the live you know, play-style uh, performances. And um, from there, uh, you know, I kind of just transitioned then into the film and everything, but from the, the pro wrestling side of things, pro wrestling itself is very Shakespearean uh, in terms of you know, the live stage and the theatrics and how your movements have to be big. And um, so, yeah, it was very um, natural in that respect. And then 
uh, from an individual standpoint where I had gone through just this metamorphosis of characters uh, and where, you know, it's not like anyone ever hit the reset button with me, did it with a lot of other guys. Um, like, you know, you see a guy on TV for a year or so, and then they just go, okay, you're going to go away and, you know, sit at home, get paid, and we're going to repackage you. There was never a repackaging with me. It was always this organic transition. And then from intellectual savior to uh, a guy who was playing a stunt double, completely mocking the whole business, uh, and never once did I come off, t you know, TV, I always thought that was kind of cool, and that was just kind of, it. to me, it kind of taught me about myself and how I was, um, you know, very theatrically inclined. And it's something that, you know, as the more time I spent in the ring, the more, it, you know, the more it became about that and the less it became about, you know, the, the moves and, you know, looking cool kind of thing. It was more about the performance, so. And I feel like when you were the intellectual savior, that was such a great gimmick and it was so different and the things you were doing was different, the pink tights, that old school kind of, yeah, I don't even know how to, old school wrestling robe, maybe like a Luke Bezer or like, you know, like an old yeah, school. Yeah, or uh, it was actually a, a ripoff of Bob Backlund. And it's oh, funny perfect. Because, um, yep. You know, I, I, at one point a few years ago, like I saw Bob Backlund's action figure and then mine and like they're the exact same robe, which I thought was funny. That is true. Very. That is very, I, I very true. I fired off of backwards. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. I just felt like that character, and obviously, you know, we're, we're, we'll talk about the stunt double and how great that character was, and Damien Miz down, things like that, but that first character, I always thought, like, man, that is so different. That's so cool. I was always just kind of just enthralled by it just because it's, like, the perfect heel that you know the crowd just ate up. You know, they love to hate you. Well, thank you. Yeah, that was that was the whole point, and it definitely worked. So that was uh, I, I do appreciate that. Now, is that something that that you come up with, or is that something that you do when you're down in FCW that you come up with with Dusty and Steve Curran and the guys, or is that kind of all your brainchild? Uh, no, that was kind of like an amalgamation of a bunch of different like facets to where, um, you know, I, I started wearing pink tights on a, a house show to. Um, to just just do it, you know. Um, and this is an FCW. So I was doing that and getting very good reactions. And then there was uh, one guy um, who is no longer there, so this is not a shot at anyone that is, you know, currently in the administration. And, and again, I don't know who's there anymore uh, administratively. But the, the guy that was kind of the bridge between, um, you know, WWE and FCW came down and, like, looked me in the eye and said, yeah, you know, you're too bland. And I remember, like, Dusty just laughing at him, like, do you even know what's going on? Do you even watch this show? And uh, and I thought he was, like, joking with me because I, I was getting, you know, reactions at the show that were, you know, very, very good. So I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I, I got with Dusty, and, and Dusty was like, all right, look. He goes, they think you're bland. He goes, you keep the tights, let's get the robe. Uh, you know, look like Luke says, but we'll make a presentation out of it. And um, I was okay. So it was like a very old school look coming to the ring. And then from there, you know, I would disrobe and then have the pink tights, and it was just ridiculous. And then it, it just kind of started evolving. And then I didn't know I was going to be a smart guy until I think it was like uh, probably like the second day I was there and, you know, called up to WWE. And uh, that's when I heard, yeah, you're going to be the intellectual savior. So I went, okay, well, I guess I better uh, expand my vocabulary and, uh, and start, you know, start acting smart. So that's, hmm. that's kind of what I did. And, and it, again, it was just all how it came together. But, um, you know, to me, again, the, the business is very simple. Make people either um, love you or despise you. And so, in, in other words, it could be summed up into make them make an emotional investment in you. And, um, and, you know, that character, I, I was very, very lucky enough uh, that, you know, it, it was presented the way it was. I love, you know, such an old school flavor to it. Thank you. You're the guy that, like, the crowd loved to hate. They wanted to hate. I'm just always thinking. Yeah, and I think it was great because I, I got to explore, like, you know, the, the character had a mean streak to him, too. Um, you know, like the, the original intellectual savior, yes, I would you know, act a certain way, and I had to paint, and I was, like, smart, but then, like, you know, when, when the tide would turn, like, I, I got to have that mean streak in me that, um, 
you, you always kind of wondered what was going on in his head, and, and that was something, that was another aspect of the character that I, I really enjoyed. Um, you know, uh, I really thought, you know, I did a lot with and, and could have done more with, so. Yeah, definitely it could have done more, because I don't know, I can't put it over enough. I just love that character. But Thank you so think, much. When you think about it, just even how you held the microphone, is that something like, is, is even down to that little, like kind of almost minute detail, but not so minute. Is that even something that you're thinking about? No, that was actually, um, and, and I guess I was a method actor before I knew what a method actor was. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just started to get um, what, what I call uh, the pulse of the character, right? And I, I use that to this day whenever I'm, you know, doing stuff here in, in film and TV. But, I, I kind of knew, you know, when, when you know what, you know what Damien Sandow eats for breakfast. You know what I mean? You know what kind of a car does he drive? Uh, what's his morning routine like? Um, and, and you know what? And, and it's knowing a character, and it's not sitting down and writing this out. It's getting into a, a mental mindset to where when you're in that mental mindset and someone asks you that question, you can fire the answer off and know it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So oh, yeah. It's going somewhere mentally. So we were doing, it was promo day, and I just got in the road, mate, and I, I did the promo, and I stopped, and, and I remember um, Dustin was there, uh, Goldust, and, and he was sitting next to Dusty, and he goes, man, you held a mic like a fine glass of brandy or something. And I went, huh? And then we watched it back. I went, oh, that was pretty cool. And... I don't know if I did this subconsciously, but I had a college professor who was um, a very very interesting character, let's just say. And he used to walk around and he would hold his coffee like with his fingers around the bottom of the cup hall and it was just so annoying. And I, I think I might have subconsciously, like that's the only thing I can think of that my brain would say, hey, do this. So I did. And um, yeah, you know, that was uh, that was it. Even like it's that, funny. more people, they, more people talk about me holding the mic like that. Like, and it, it, at the end of the day, it, it, it's amazing what people remember about a character and how something that that little and that um, you know insignificant that I thought at the time I thought it was just another piece in the puzzle, but it, it really ended up being uh, something special. So that was that was cool, and, and thank you. Yeah, it was so cool because like, like this guy so cocky, it's like he's holding his little wine glass or something like, you know, like this yeah. guy's such a heel, he's so hateable. Yeah, well, thank you. And I was just thinking, you know, you were talking about the way you hold the mic, the tights and everything. Where does the name come from? I always ask the guys, I always kind of like joke around, is it a name generator? Is somebody making these things up? Like, where does the name Damien Sandow come from? Is it something you make up or is it something the writing team brings forward? No, it was something, um, you know, I I was down there, I was Idle Stevens down there, and then they said, okay, you've got to come up with a new name. So I'm thinking, and I had a bunch of names down, one of which was Sandow. based off of Billy Sandow, who was in the Goldust trio, um, you know, the, the promoters back at the turn of the mm-hmm. century. Yep. Um, so, I, okay, Sandow, whatever. Um, and then uh, Damien, you know what? I am just, I, I forgot. I'll be, I'll be really honest with you. Um, and it's funny because I remember a lot of guys, they would get reassigned names and be like, oh, that, you know, that's awful. And they would complain about it. But I was like, well, look, um, the person makes the name. The name does not make the person. So I, I always kind of took that. And, um, you know, years ago, if you told me, oh, Damien Sandow, like, that's the stupidest name I've ever heard, which it still may be to some people, and that's fine. <laughs> but, um, mm. you know, to me um, and to a lot of people, when you hear Damien Sandow, you, you think intellectual savior, the robe, the, the mic, and it, it, it just kind of, um, it was a description of the character. And, and I, I, or it has come to be the description of the character. So, yeah, it's... Um, I, I do. I, uh, I I like it, but I, I do not recall where Damien came from, I have to be honest. <laughs> there are some terrible names that I've heard uh, through that name generator, but Damien Sandow is pretty good. He's pretty catchy, and it's something you. you remember, and it's something you definitely don't like. Thank you. Yes, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> at one point, obviously, you know, we're skipping around a little bit here, but at one point, they, you're the intellectual savior, you win the Money in the Bank briefcase, it seems like, you know, possibly going to end up winning the world title, 
and you end up not winning it. Is that a shock to you? Like, wow, I thought, you know, everything was progressing where I should have been the world champ at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, um, based off fan reaction. Um, you know what, I'm not even going to do that because I, I don't like to say I should have been this, I should have been that. I, I leave it for the end the, to kind of draw their own conclusions on that. Um, you know, look, <clears throat> the business is what it is. Um, I was told about it that day. Um and was I happy about it? Absolutely not. But I, I guess it was a ratings issue, and then they wanted to go somewhere with the world, to, like whatever it was, uh, to where I was like, okay, cool. Um, I have I can complain about this later to myself or whoever. But right now we have a you know like three or four segments on Raw that okay, objective is to get ratings. What is our immediate goal? So I had to put together uh, a match that would uh, serve that goal serve to attain that goal, and that's that's what I was concerned about there. And, um, yeah, anything else after that, you know, it was what it was. Um, and, you know, like with, with me, hand me whatever script you want. I'll keep it within the margins of what I'm supposed to do. However, um, you cannot take away that when I walk out there, the performance is all mine. And, and that's something like, you know, no matter what I've been given, some of the stuff was just absolutely terrible. Um, I have no problem saying that. Uh, some of the stuff was, was pretty good. But either way, you know, uh, it was my rear end when I walked out there. And I was not going to let my own um, prejudices and biases towards whatever script um, affect the, the paying customer. Because tickets are expensive. Um, Look, if someone just pays for a ticket to take their family there or themselves or whatever, um, if I'm going out there, you know, not only does it reflect poorly on me, but I'm not going to um, deprive the customers of their money. So I'm going to put everything I have into it, like it, hate it, whatever. Uh, that's on me. And, you know, it, it's funny because a lot of people have said, you know, oh, you, you've made the most out of X, Y, and Z. And that is the biggest compliment um, anyone could ever tell me. Uh, just because it's like where, where a lot of other guys in the past had failed or had given up or had whatever, um, I actually made some, some decent television out of it. And, uh, and again, like that, that's the coolest thing as a performer that anyone can say to me. And, I, yeah, I, I do appreciate it. The old proverbial, you made chicken salad out of chicken shit, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thinking about that as a, as a fan, maybe the fan gets more upset than maybe the wrestler that, that that's part of it. Like, I'm like, oh, I should have won the world title. Should that? Maybe that's not, you know, really the wrestler's reaction because the wrestler is just doing kind of what they're told and what they're giving. They're making the best of uh, the situation. I always feel like, you know, maybe as a fan, we kind of look at, we're looking at it the wrong way, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, you know, and don't get me wrong. I, I wasn't happy about that at all. Um. You know, as a matter of fact, I was more uh, upset about how I was handled after the fact. Um, you know, from a, a creative standpoint, um, you know, the, the weeks following. But, um, you know, you, again, you, you got to keep going forward. And, um, look, uh, you know, fans have the right to express their opinions. Um, and you just have to kind of take it all in stride. And, and you got to kind of... Look, I mean, everyone's entitled to it. So I, I've always kind of kept myself, um, I, I don't know, pretty pretty in check, I guess. Um, you know, and again, there have been times I've been upset. There have been times where I've, you know, um, let things get the better of me and, um, you know, in terms of, like, what, what your job is doing. But at the end of the day, it served to make me stronger because, really, um, when you come through something like that, you know, you realize nothing can touch you. So that's that's the best thing and the, like, the best bit of advice I could give to anybody. That is some really great advice. And the thing that really stuck out to me about the loss is the match was great. And, and the, the you know, the, the feud, so to speak, with John Cena actually was great. So obviously it didn't affect you in-ring at all. Uh, no, but then, you know, from, from there, okay, I, I had to dress up as Davy Crockett and someone new every week. 
hmm. for however long. And, and look, I, we had to go do that. Um, yeah, again, you know, I'm not in uh, whatever the office is there making decisions. Um, I was paid to go and perform. And you know what? That's what I did to the best of my ability. Um, am I grateful for the opportunity? Yes. Um, but do I owe any future success to the WWE? Absolutely not. Um, because you know what? It's like when you, when you have a job anyway, right? Um, let's say you, you work at a fast food restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're there and you're, you're working there and you're, you know, you're moving your way up, right? You're doing what you can, um, doing the best you can. And you decide um, you don't want to do that anymore. And, and you want to go in to sales, right? Like you want to go into like a, I don't know, like go, go sell sunglasses or something, right? Whatever. You don't, you know, part of my thing, like I've never complained about WWE, nor will I. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a realist. Uh, I really don't have a bad word to say uh, about, you know, anyone in the office because that all they did, they did their job. Do I agree with everything? No, but you know what? Uh, I wasn't paid to agree. I was paid to just kind of go there, perform to the best of my ability, and that's it. And, you know, you, you kind of have to leave it. Leave it in the ring. You know what I mean? Um, they compensated me very well. Um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I was able to to say very well, make some investments, and um, and kind of really set myself up. So I am very, very grateful, you know, for all of that. Um, so I, I don't want to, like, even seem like I'm uh, talking negative about them. However, um, you know, what I did, again, I went away for a year from the whole business. This is after my uh, run with Impact. And, again, I look completely different. Uh, I'm a different personnel. And, you know, I, I kind of wanted to, if I was going to succeed out here in the acting world, uh, I'm going to do it on my own based on my own ability. So when I'm there, it's not because, oh, former WWE wrestler, whatever. And, and if people want to talk about my past, that's fine. But if I'm there, I'm there because of my ability as an actor. And, you know, that, that, and that's one of those things, too, where in Hollywood, people will typecast you so fast. If, um, if they hear that, oh, you're an actor, you, you were a wrestler well, you're going to be, you know, bad guy number two or henchman, you know, whatever. And some of the roles I'm doing, um, God, I mean, it's it's pretty uh, interesting, you know, from like a 1950s uh, weather reporter, um, you know, with, with a bunch of quirks to, you know, even like playing demons and stuff, which I guess you can have a wrestler play demon, but, um, you know, there, there's just different things um, and, and doing different roles. And, and that's the approach I always had to wrestling um, was, you know, to kind of, attack whatever situation from a different position. And, uh, and again, grateful to everyone I've ever worked for in the pro wrestling business. You know, not just WWE. I, I've worked for other promotions. Um, you said OBW, FCW. I've worked for Puerto Rico, uh, for Carlos Colon down there. Uh, and I worked for Impact, too, which I loved my time there. But, again, like, based on any future success I have, uh, I set myself up and I, I wanted to to kind of uh, have the trajectory um, that I have had because where I'm just starting to kind of get out in the public eye again, um, it's me as Aaron. It's not as, oh, that's the guy that used to be Sandow. Um, and, and again, I owe nothing to anyone in the wrestling business. Um, do I owe the business for providing me a life? Yes, but, you know, the wrestling business, is, it's, it's uh, an entity. It is not an individual. And um, so I like I I feel pretty free in that respect, you know, to where yes, like you paid me to give you uh, a product, an in-ring product, and that's what I gave you, and that was it. So like that, that's where the transaction ends, and it, it, it's a it's very liberating because a lot of guys leave there, and they they're bitter, they're angry, they're um, you know, oh, I'm going to show them, I'm going to show them. That was never my intention. Like, I, I was grateful for my time there. I was ready to leave. And, uh, and again, like, going forward now. And, and if, if you're, if you're going to, like, I, I equate Hollywood to kind of climbing Mount Everest. If you're going to climb Everest, you don't just get off a treadmill and then start hiking. You know? um, if you're going to climb Everest, you have to get your proper equipment, right? And for me, my equipment was my acting training. 
it was, you know, learning how to be different characters, like learning how to get into character, which was, again, wrestling helped me a lot, but pro wrestling in terms of the pro wrestling entity. Um, you know, when I was in WWE, for example, I never really had, like, a mentor there, if that makes sense. No one ever really took me under their wing and, and like, helped me and showed me. I was kind of on my own. I mean, there were people that helped me. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to come across as... Um, as ungrateful to anyone, but um, like there was no one like I was in the car with that I could call and like ask questions about business stuff all the time that, that I was super close with, right? Like some other guys were, um, and, and and by that I was close with some of the boys, but like nobody, you know, office wise, administratively. Um, but to me that didn't matter. You know, you figure it out on your own. Like learn how to listen to the people and you know make your decisions. Uh, work-wise from there. So that's that's kind of what I did. I feel like doing those different characters and, you know, like you said, playing Davy Crockett or playing this guy or playing, you know, playing the Macho Man or playing this guy, do you think that any of that kind of prepared you? Because you technically are playing these different roles and different oh, characters. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. But the thing was, like, by someone telling me you're going to dress as Randy Savage or you're going to dress as Davy Crockett, right? Or even like when, when I was, uh, we were talking about the, how the Sandow character came about, I kind of did a lot of this subconsciously without even knowing it. Um, you know, like, like the term method actor, and I, I got more familiar with that when I was with The Miz, but um, like I, I always kind of did that. Like if, if this is the route we're going, like my whole thing was, okay, so you want to be Davy Crockett? Well, I went and I watched, um, I, I remember in the arena, like we were in Tennessee or something, and um, I kind of like typed up, you know, Davy Crockett, Daniel Boone type stuff, and, um, you know, the old Fess Parker shows. I'm not sure if you remember those or not, but I, when I was a kid, um, I remember a lot. My cousins and I, we would all watch the old reruns. Some of it was in black and white, too. But um, <clears throat> so I started watching that, and I just started getting a vibe for, like, okay, what's the pulse of. Fez Parker as Daniel Boone. Like, what are some things? So I was actually imitating Fez Parker, imitating his interpretation of Daniel, or doing his interpretation of Daniel Boone. It worked for me, you know. And then I, I was listening to the, um, you know, the what, 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 Daniel Boone, Davy Crockett theme song, you know, for about 15 minutes before I went out, and I just, okay, like knew how to walk, knew how to do whatever. And then the same thing with pretty much every character like that I've done when I was going through that period. Um, I just said, you know, hey, this is this is what we're doing. All right, I let, let's get the pulse of it, and then let's go from there. That's great. That's like super smart. I mean, you're you're really thinking like they might give you something stupid, but you're going to make the best out of it, and you're really going to study it and think like, wow, how can I make this more authentic and more real? Well, yeah, you know, and I think life is like that. Like that. That's not like again, like oh, I I can't stay in the office. I mean, look, <clears throat> most people like when they say that. How like oh that that they shouldn't they shouldn't have had you do that they shouldn't have had you do that. Well, again, my perspective of it was, you know what they don't have to do is put me on the show every week, and they did. Um, and again, regardless if I was happy with the content that I was uh, involved with, um, I had no choice but to you know swing for the fences and and try to hit a grand slam. And I owed it to myself. I owed it that time. I owed it to them because they were paying me. And with you, it's like, okay, they're a great character in Damon Sandow. They're going to strip away the pink tights, put them in like plain black, or they're going to strip away the cartwheels. They're going to, you know, make them dress up as characters. But you really took that almost like, you know, like a, like a badge of honor. Like, I'm going to take this. I'm going to make it work. And Damon, they're going to put me with the Miz and make me his, his assistant or, you know, whatever. I'm going to turn into Damien Miz now, and I'm going to get this damn thing over. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that's, just, that's kind of how I am with life, you know, whatever – obstacle presents itself. Um, and then there's nothing wrong with being like, oh, man, you know, again, or really, like this time, it's like this. But then, okay, take about two to five seconds of that and then start start thinking, you know, start figuring out ways to get out of it. Uh, use whatever you have to use. You know, it's kind of like MacGyver, but it's like uh, the, the MacGyver approach to life. <laughs> <laughs> The original MacGyver, by the way. We're talking Richard Dean Anderson, I'm just saying. Right, right. <laughs> Got that new crap. Yeah. It is great, though, because 
you, you, the problem with the Miz, the Damian Miz now thing is getting over and over and over. Was that like a long-term like idea, like you're, that you're going to be paired up with Miz long-term, or is this just something short-term that they were looking to do? I think it was a one-off, um, but then they said, oh, that worked last week. Let's try it again this week. And, you know, well, if you give me, again, two weeks of consistency to where, like, you know, again, I'd go to the arena. I didn't know if I was going to be an astronaut or Bozo the Clown. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but to where they say, oh, yeah, I think we're going to leave you with Miz for a little bit. Okay, thank you. You're going to be a stunt double. Thank you very much. And uh, that's all they told me. And then I have no idea, honestly, like, where it came from, where, like, I can't remember what it was, but then I just, I was on the outside, and I just started wrestling the Invisible Man, and, you know, it is what it is. It just happened. So... That was so funny and, and such a great and, idea. You know, kudos, they, they, they encouraged it, you know, for, from a, an office standpoint. Uh, very, very encouraging. And, and, and they let me do that, which we, we have to kind of like hats off to them. It's like, oh, creative. And then like for all the people that have come up to me and, you know, said, oh, they should have done more with you and this person's no good and they don't know what the people want. Look, at the end of the day, um, they let me mock the entire business for how, like months, for the better part of a year, really. Um, so, you know, kudos to them because, again, it, it's their sandbox. I was playing in it. That's all. And you have to look at it that way. And got over huge doing it. Well, you guys ended up putting the, the tag titles, you and the Miz at Survivor Series. Was that kind of unexpected as well? Like, you get into a point like, wow, now they're giving us the tag titles. Now they're kind of really uh, letting us roll here. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they view the tag titles as important, at least based off of my experience, um, you know, in terms of the attention that's given to the tag division. I don't know how it is now. I'm not really that familiar with, with what is uh, the current state of the product. Um, you know, and I, I do have a show that I do, um, and if I could do a gratuitous plug, uh, if you go to barnburner.ca, um, the show is called Ask Me Anything, uh, which essentially if um, you can go to my Instagram at the Aaron Files. Uh, which is, that's two plugs, sorry about that. But every week I post a little icon with the show or a picture of the show, leave your questions below, and I answer them. So, and it's on like 108 platforms and everything, which is, it's kind of cool. It was, I've been doing it for about a month, and it's a good way to me to get out in the public again. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, the, the original point to the question. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I, I saw the opportunity for a plug, and I just took it. I, I went all in, like when I do Daniel Boone. So, hey, I love it. Uh, plug, plug away. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you were but talking yeah, no, about you talking about the, the tag titles and how you know you haven't really oh, yeah. paid that much close attention um, to the business. The Sorry, um, but uh, but yeah, that that's pretty much through talking to some of the guys that do that podcast. They'll like, kind of fill me in on what's going on. Um, but like, I'm not that familiar with the, how it is today, and, and I, I hope it it is uh, you know kind of getting the the respect and the attention it deserves. Um, but, you know, with us, it was just the belts were a prop to where the Miz and I, and, and I, I include Miz in this because there was no Miz now without Miz. And we were such a commodity at that time to where, like, I mean, it's funny, you know, if, if they had put the world title on uh, Sandow, then that would have, I thought, kind of, raised the stock of Sandow. Um, but then whatever Miz and I were doing, I mean, it had really, I don't recall anything like that ever being done to that level in the business. And, um, you know, you, you had a team hated one, loved the other one. The more they loved one, the more they hated the other one and vice versa. Um, and and on top of it, it was the just the the ridiculousness of me wrestling no one, um, and, and that whole thing combined. I mean, we did not need the titles, but you know they were cool. We we had the stunt titles. <laughs> that was very very funny, and I thought that was very cool that they gave you you know the titles. Almost like a little bit of of recognition. Does winning titles like that mean anything to you, or is it kind of something that means more to the fans than it means to the actual wrestling? I think, like, to me, it means more to the fans. I mean, look, at the end of the day, and people really, really get lost in this, um, and I can understand where, you know what, 
up to a certain point, if you won the world title, it was like winning an Oscar, right? Uh, if you were NWA world champion, um, you know, back in the day, uh, even, you know, until, you know, the last 10 years, whatever, um, if you were the WWE champion, you know, it was something like you it, you worked your way up and you got it. And, um, and look, now society has changed. So I don't blame the business for putting the title on. I mean, I'm not sure who's the champion now, whatever. Um, uh, is Brock still the champion? He is the champ, yep. Yeah, but I mean, and, and you know what? People criticize Brock. Show me, when, when you are trying to create the illusion of violence, which is what pro wrestling is, show me a better person to put the title on than Brock Lesnar. Right. right? Yep, agreed. Um, like, that, that is a business decision that I agree with 100%, and if I was in the WWE shoes, I would do the same thing. The man transcends the sport, or the, the, the genre of entertainment. He's a legit UFC fighter, uh, you know, a legit UFC champion. Um, you know, just from, from cosmetically to what the man can do, um, yeah, how would you not um, put the title on him? Uh, but there's two titles now. There's, like, the um, Universal, right? Yep. Yeah, so, again, I'm not sure what uh, – is. Brock, who's the Universal champion? Who's the regular champion? What's the uh, – so- so Brock Lesnar is the Universal Champion, and okay. the WWE World Champion is Daniel Bryan. Okay, cool. Well, and you know, when, when Daniel won it, you know, um, I'm not that close with Daniel or anything, but he was someone when he won the title, you know, well deserved, well deserved. Um, you know, at, at WrestleMania there, um, you know, I, I thought that that meant something. Um, but to, to how they view it now, uh, in terms of the administration, I guess, or at least when I was there, because I'm not sure what's going on now. But it, it was just okay. It was like a prop, you know. And, and there's a lot of guys, though. And then this is going to – we're going to get a little deeper than the, um, the whole thing of, of winning a belt. Um, guys would get upset when they were losing. You know, I can – look, I mean, you have to – if you want to move up, you have to somewhat stay strong on TV. However, in wrestling, you are three seconds away from becoming the world champion. It's fake when you win and it's fake when you lose. And um, I really didn't have much to say for guys who would be upset about, like, oh, I'm losing tonight, and oh, I need to get my moves in, and I need to... Uh, and I'm like, dude, you know, if you can't get over win or lose, then you're just... You're bad at your job. You need other people to get you over. You're simply... Like, that's all it is. You are bad at your job. You're not good at, your, at what you do. You know... You can go and complain and, um, you know, try to politic all you want, and sometimes it'll work, and a lot of times it does work. But at the end of the day, like, people are so insecure about themselves that they can't go out there and, okay, if I'm losing tonight, fine. Um, but, look, I mean, the people's attention span is so short these days to where, like, don't take yourself that seriously. Um, and and that's, that was always my philosophy on it. Um, and again, like, you know, if you're losing every single night on TV, yes, it, it's not cool. It, it, it's something that you're going to be like, man, what are they doing with me? Do, do they not view me as a certain caliber of performer? Um, maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. Either way, and, and again, like I actually did a, an interview earlier today um, to, we were talking about something similar to this. Um, you know, who is anyone to say, like, oh, you're, you're only worth this, you're only worth that. And, um, <clears throat> you know, again, outcomes are predetermined. The only thing that the wrestler or the performer can control is fan reaction. That's the only thing that the individual performer has um, any kind of control or can exert any kind of control over. And, um, you know, I, I just judge myself based on that, you know, uh, with, with – for especially like what creative put into me in the amount of, and, and, and this is not a knock on creative. They had other things, other people to worry about. Um, I was a cog in a wheel for the energy that the quote unquote machine put into me, what I gave them for return on their investment. Um, you know, that speaks for itself in my opinion. Yeah. It always is funny. I'll say, you know, you're getting quote unquote not pushed or, you know, used, somebody's being used as an enhancement guy. It always is funny how some of those guys, I mean, yourself, especially when you're not winning, still over big with the crowd, 
still able to do something to get reactions out of the crowd. And, and that's kind of the key to key to the business to me. Yeah, and like I, I never had to do a triple indie corkscrew plancha moonsault every night. <laughs> um, I, I did it with more like personality and in and, and storytelling and, and, um, and character building, which is why where I'm at now, um, it's just such a, a like once I kind of got my feet wet in the pool a little bit, uh, you know, I'm talking about in, in the acting world, to me, I felt, you know, more natural there than I did um, when I first started wrestling. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where we go with, um, you know, the, this next year. So when you get released from the, from the WWE, you said, like, basically, you know, you were ready to leave, that, you know, it kind of, well, you basically, you know, you were okay with it. To me, it was, it was a shocking release. It kind of made no sense. Why did you seem like you were kind of ready for it? Uh, well, I had told him I was, um, like, a couple weeks before, and then I, I was like, oh, we'll see what we can do, we'll see what we can do. They never got back to me, and then they, they did it with everyone else, which is fine. Um, you know, thank you for the extra two weeks. But, um, yeah, I, I just, on the inside, like, like to me, there's the world title thing and, and everything else, but to me, my, um, my come-to-Jesus moment, as we say in the South, um, and it's funny, I'm in Malibu right now, but when I, I lived in the South for quite a long time, um, so it was WrestleMania, um, with, uh, at the battle Royal where, you know, when Miz and I did our thing and I was about to turn on him and everyone knew I was about to turn on him. And when the way the arena built up, I just took a couple seconds and I looked around and I said, wow, like, this is not because anyone wanted this to happen. This reaction, like these 80,000 people or whatever, they are having this reaction because they genuinely want to. And you know what? Like, there's guys that they have tried to push and push and shove down their throats, and I don't think they can ever say that. Um, you know, ha- have they had, you know, more titles, you know, and said, do this, and, and, and you're going to win tonight? And, this, and then, of course. But for me to have that one organic, um, and, and when I say that one, it was like that every night for me, but the, but at WrestleMania, it was, you know, it was different. Um, it was kind of like you're there, and... And that wasn't even on the WrestleMania card, by the way, but um, that was all I needed. Like, and, and I kind of, kind of shifted something inside me to where, and, and this is going to sound completely, um, I don't want this to come out wrong, but it was like, I don't need to look for justification from anyone anymore because th- this is, you know, I was given the stage to perform on, and I am so grateful that um, the WWE in particular uh, gave me that. Uh, but but as well as anyone who's ever uh, employed me did. However, that was like, that was it for me. That was just like, okay, um, there's more to life than this. Like, I for the first time, I didn't care about winning a world championship or being a, quote, like, top guy. And I never cared because... That that just kind of cemented everything that I had worked for, uh, and I was okay on the inside. And, and when you're okay on the inside, you don't need some you know piece of leather and tin to um, to to justify that. So that that's that's pretty much what happened. And I was there for about another year, and um, you know because that, that was a big decision. Um, I, I I didn't tell them that. Like I said, I waited about a year to tell them that because I want to be sure. I want to be 100% sure. And um, and I was starting to kind of like study acting a little bit and start to read some books and then try some stuff. Um, you know, it just kind of uh, kind of happened at the right time. I do remember that quite vividly. WrestleMania 31, the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. You probably should have won that damn thing. Um, the crowd was oh, not nuts. my sandbox. Not my sandbox. So, you know, <laughs> again, I'm not, uh, not complaining. You know, if, if, if I'd have won that, who knows what would have happened and I wouldn't have kind of found my way where I'm at now and had the life experiences and met all the, the people I've met and, um, you know, like, who knows? So, like, I wouldn't trade my life right now for anything. Now, as we start to wind it down, just got to ask this because you had so many memorable moments there. So many moments, uh, as myself as a fan, just stick out. I was like, man, I love that. That was great. Or some okay. of those did that were great. Things that. Do you have some favorite moments uh, from your time, not only in the WWE, not only as Miss Dow, not only a stand-up, but maybe an OBW 
or FTW or Puerto Rico? Well, uh, favorite moments, uh, I don't know if I can talk about some of my favorite moments on the air to protect the guilty, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, no, you know, um, God, there was, there were special moments in every territory I went to, um, like, my God, uh, like OVW, like Louisville, in in the, uh, the Louisville area, or Kentuckiana, as it is colloquially known, um, that's like my second home. Uh, I, I always felt at home there. Uh, and, and you know what? People still call me idol. Because OVW had such a strong following. And, um, you know, winning the OVW title was awesome. Uh, you know, the, some of the street fights I've had there were really cool. Um, you know, F- FCW, it was, you know, th- their TV was not as strong as OBW, I thought, in terms of, well, I mean, not I thought, it wasn't, in terms of, like, the, the homes that they reached. Um, you know, and it was more, like, WWE-controlled. But um, I really did a lot of learning. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very, very grateful to Steve Kern um, for everything he did. And, uh, and, and you know what, Dr. Tom, uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard, him hiring me twice, because he, he's responsible for both of my stints in WWE, and I make no bones about that. And I, I owe... Tom Pritchard. You know, when when we say I don't owe the wrestling business anything, or I'm sorry, I don't owe like any particular employer of me anything, I don't. They paid me to do something, I did it. Um, you know, I owe the wrestling business what it gave me. Uh, Dr. Tom opened the door to the wrestling business for me. So like him, Killer Kowalski, um, you know, those are two guys that that I really do owe any success I have um, or a, at least a, a large portion of any success I've had to them, you know, in wrestling. And uh, I just want to make that very clear. That is great. Killer Kowalski, kind of, uh, you know, a great training guy to have. Obviously, he trained a lot of oh, yeah. wrestlers and yeah. was obviously pretty much a huge, huge legend uh, himself in the business. So that, uh, that, you know, that is great as well. You know, we haven't really touched on Vince, but I just wanted to kind of mention Vince at all. Did he have any sort of relationship with Vince McMahon, or not really? Is he kind of distant? No, like, the thing is, like, people would go to him every week, and, and you know, he'd be walking down the hall, and they would, like, kowtow to him and try, and try to, quote-unquote, get over with him. Um, I am very big on respect and, you know, showing the proper respect to people. I have no problem with that. Um However, I'm not going to kowtow to anyone. Uh, that is not my style. Um, Vince was a very, very busy man. You know, not only is he worried about TV, he's worried about the quarterly reports, um, merchandise sales, and Lord knows what else, right? I respected his time enough to where, yeah, and, and there was maybe two or three times during my whole stint there that I, I knocked on his office, but it was to talk about business. Like, hey, um, what about this? Can, can we do it this way or... Uh, what is your opinion of this? Always, never once did he turn me down. Um, always was cool to me. Very, but again, I respected his time enough to where I didn't want to waste it every week with small talk. You know, if he had something to tell me, he was watching the product. Obviously, he would tell me. My job was to go out there, execute what I'm supposed to do, and get on to the next town. Um, and, and again sacrificing a personal relationship with, uh, with him. I mean, look, how many people have come and gone there? You know, um, like I get, do I respect him as a businessman? Absolutely. Do I respect him as a boss? Absolutely. But, you know, I, I have enough friends. Um, you know, I, I would assume he does too. (laughs) You know, look, this is a business thing. Um, and you can laugh, you can joke, you can have respect, you can have fun. But let's not call this anything else other than it is, and I at least give him the respect for you know scheduling wise. Um, let's let's not waste anyone's time here, you know. And then that was always my philosophy on that. Your run obviously very very memorable. Do you have some favorite opponents along the way? I know we talked about you know guys like the Miz and briefly mentioned John Cena, but even back uh, on the W. Dolph is great. Um, uh, you know what? Uh, Glamour Boy Shane in Puerto Rico was awesome to work with. Um, really, really enjoyed working with the Usos. 
Um, Got to give those guys a shout out. Um, you know, uh, Cody and I had some some decent ones together. Uh, I remember South Africa. We had a, a long one, which is one of my favorite memories of my career. Um, you know, I, I was very fortunate. There were very few guys that I worked with when I saw my name across them. I was like, oh man, really? Um, and, and you know, although I never did um, a ton of business with him on TV, really enjoyed um, working against Mark Henry. We, we had some some funny, funny house show moments, uh, both backstage and in the ring. And then Mark is, uh, again, just such a, a great guy, and I'm I'm really, really grateful to uh, to have gotten you know the opportunity to to know him like I did. Now, you know, you mentioned your podcast and obviously you mentioned acting and kind of what you're doing now. But where do you see yourself? Let's just say five years from now. Kind of where do you see Aaron Stevens? Where do you see, you know, Aaron, the acting world, any any chance of a return to wrestling, any interest in the return to wrestling? Um, here's the thing. Um, I have learned that as you go throughout life, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're uh, an educated man, you, you've heard the saying, the best laid plans of mice and men. Yes. Yeah, that has really, really run through. I mean, if you would have told me two years ago my life would look like it does now, I would have said you are insane. Um, you know, from living in Malibu to, again, I'm not even going to get into some of the people that I've encountered. I mean, I've been defecated on by a pig, uh, urinated on by a white tiger, <laughs> Um, yeah, and this is in the last six months. Um, and then, you know, so you want to, they say you want to be a wrestler kid. This is, you want to be an actor kid. Um, although I, I will say this though, the white tiger was amazing. And then apparently when they do that, that's a sign that they like you. So I, I was very lucky in that respect. Um, and they are such amazing animals as was the pig. Uh, you know, we have, we have to give a shout out to whale and the pig, but, um, it, it, like my life is completely bizarre right now. Um, and then, you know, from do, even like doing the NBC show, Midnight Texas, to where, you know, I'm just going about my business. I get a phone call, go to Universal and read for this part, okay? I get it, then I was in New Mexico for a month. Um, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff really doesn't happen too often, especially since I've just been at this seriously for about six months um, to where I've put myself out there. Like, hey, I can audition, I can do this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So, look, in a month from now, in two months, like, who knows where the acting thing will be. But also, like, look, if someone calls me up or I get an itch to go back in the ring, cause I, and I do, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm over the whole wrestling industry thing. Uh, I mean, there, there's a part of me that is, but I genuinely miss performing in front of the live audience. That's the one thing about that, that business that you don't get out here uh, is that live reaction. And you never know. Maybe I'll show up somewhere. If, if circumstances line up, and, um, you know, things fall into place, I may be back in a ring. Um, but if they don't, you know, I, I'm perfectly okay with that. And I, I really, again, like the craft of acting, I, I feel very natural in it. Um, it it's kind of what, it's always what I was born to do, but uh, it's something that comes very natural to me. Uh, so I'm told, and it's something I truly enjoy doing. So I, I guess, you know, that was a long answer, but... Um, where I see myself in five years, um, I'm not going to answer that where I see myself externally, where I see myself internally. Uh, it's pretty much happy, um, you know, happy, content, and um, hopefully fulfilled doing what I'm doing. So, Any regrets from the wrestling business none. that you have? None. Not one. Not one. That is that's yeah. a great attitude to have. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I hung my boots up on my own, and, yeah, that's it. Now, is there anything coming up acting-wise that we should look out for, like any uh, different projects than what you mentioned, anything new that, we're, that we so need think, to look um, out for? The, uh, the show Midnight Texas, I think, um, that's all done. Um, you know, or at least my, my part in that is all done for the season. Uh, you know, 2019, uh, the movie, they, they came and left with uh, the actor Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was great, by the way. That was like, you know, when, when you're in wrestling – you have the veteran that you'll get in there with and kind of like they'll show you some stuff. That was like, it was like a wrestling experience, but Jonathan Banks was, you know, kind of, I was picking his brain and he was helping me and stuff, which was amazing. Um, yeah. And there's, uh, potentially, I, I don't want to jinx myself, but there's two films that are, are locked down for 2019. 
And um, you know, more on that, you can go to my Instagram because apparently you have to have an Instagram in Hollywood now, so I had to get one of those things. Uh, it's, again, the Aaron Files. Uh, go check it out. There's a little black and white picture of me on there. And, um, and yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Please also mention, again, your podcast, and please also plug your other, other social media, such as Twitter and, and so yes. forth. So the other podcast, it's uh, go to barnburner.ca, but uh, it is um, the name of the show is Ask Me Anything. Uh, again, it's available on 108 platforms. He's, he's phenomenal how he just works so hard at it, and, uh, and he does such a great job. So he is, um, yeah, he, he's got that on lockdown. Uh, and if you uh, can't remember barnburner.ca, again, Instagram, the Aaron Files, that's Aaron with one A and one R, and Twitter is at Aaron's Thoughts. So that's uh, that's pretty much all I'm at social media wise. I I'm, I'm having to become more social media savvy, but you know um, nothing is uh, is exactly the way we want it. You know you, you have to kind of make some concessions. <laughs> so that hmm. social media is mine. That is great, and this has been awesome. I really appreciate all the time you gave oh, us. Now, one last thing for uh, Damien Sandow, Damien Mizdow, whatever you want to say. What was your favorite? kind of uh, character that you played or have you not played that character yet? Um, hmm. Oh, so you, are you talking about in wrestling or in acting? Could be both. Um, I tell you what, character-wise, like, intellectual savior will always hold a special place in my heart. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that was pretty cool to be able to do that. All right. Awesome, awesome stuff. I appreciate the honesty. I appreciate the great attitude. And uh, good luck over there in Hollywood. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.